body. You know, America's all about hot, badass, nasty speed. I mean, that's how you got to play the game of hockey. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Behind the Mask. It is, feels so great to say that. It feels so great to be here with you guys in the studio, in Holden, in the basement, in the impact, sports, everything. It's just, it's good to be back. A lot of emotions just hit me right when I hit record there. But hockey's back. More importantly, college hockey is back. I'm with Jacob and Cameron. Boys, how are we feeling today? What a great day to be back. I'm doing fantastic. It's just, I'm just happy to get back, you know? Yeah, it's it's going to be great. It's going to be a good year for hockey, um, hopefully a good year for Michigan State hockey. But all in all, we'll be here giving you guys the rundown every week. So we're looking forward to it. Oh, heck yeah. And speaking of some hockey, we're going to do a real quick wrap up, wrap up of last year because, hey, we... You know, it was, it was a pretty rough year. We don't want to talk about it and dwell on it too much. I will do my quick wrap up. <laughs> it wasn't your, good. Wasn't good. You got to you got to wrap up Cam. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> so MSU finished 7-18 and 2 overall. That was last in the Big 10. They did have a little shining moment at the end of the or, or beginning of the Big 10 tournament, I guess. Their only game. They went to overtime against Minnesota, looked pretty good, but then they ended up dropping it. So that was the season finale, I guess. End on a high note even though it was a loss, but you know, it was what it was. Well, I mean, we did, me and you and Jacob, everybody that was in the studio that day was able to see the kind of the heir to the the goalie throne coming in the next few years with Pierce Charlson, who basically stood on his head the entire game. They're still running reruns of his save, I think, in the third period, I believe on Sampo Ranta, where he just went full spread with the blocker on the right hand and just waffle boarded it up. It was great. Great save. But yeah. 2-1 heartbreaking defeat that me and you were on the call for that. And it was just the the emotions in that conference room with all of us that are all, that were on the pod last year. And just that subtle or that like subtle, just eerie feeling that happened as soon as that goal went in. But it was a good it was a good game for them, especially going into this year. But hey, that was this. That was last season. This is a whole entire new season. Something something big could happen here. We don't know. It's sports. Anything could happen. Speaking of anything happening, there's a lot of MSU players that actually did leave the roster, and I want to give our condolences to them, say goodbye, and thank you for playing for MSU. Uh, the first player, Charlie Combs, he actually transferred in from Bemidji State. He was only at Michigan State for one year. Great player. Absolutely loved his energy. Five foot six guy, but he brought it every single game. Absolutely loved him on the team. Tommy Apap, he also graduated. He was uh, second on the team with five goals, which it's God, that's that's hard to say out loud, but you know that's a a goal scorer, a good player that you know MSU is going to miss. Brody Stevens, he actually transferred, and right now he's uncommitted, so we don't know if he's going to you know play in another school, go for another league. No idea on that. Uh, Gianluca Estevez, he also graduated. Tommy Miller, aka the shot blocking god, he uh, transferred to Northeastern, so. Who knows? Maybe maybe they can make a tournament run. We're talking about them later in the year. Austin Kamer also graduated, and Jake Smith was the last one. So those are all the MSU students that transferred away or graduated. Thanks for playing under the green and white gentlemen. I greatly appreciate it. And uh, yeah, so without further ado, those are the people gone. We got a lot of people to welcome in, boys. A lot, a lot of people. A lot of new faces. Very exciting to talk about. The first one I want to talk about is freshman number seven on defense, David Gucciardi. I'm going to figure out these pronunciations eventually, but hopefully that was right. He is the uh, first player we're highlighting. He is six foot one, 193 pounds from Toronto, Ontario. Shoots left, and last season he had 20 points, seven goals, and 13 assists in 33 games for the Waterloo Blackhawks. So, David, welcome to the team, and can't wait to see you in green and white. And then, yeah, after that, following down the list, then... Uh... Coming in as a sophomore now, Jeremy Davidson, who joined the roster, come, uh, 5'10", 165 from Kalamazoo. Um, last season, he put up 43 points in 63 games played uh, as an assistant captain of the Fargo Force. So it'll be nice to see him also uh, bring that combination of that leadership uh, and the offense they'll be able to bring uh, to the team as well. 
And then again, another new face, a freshman this time, Jesse Tucker, 5'11", 193, hailing from Longlack, Ontario, a left-handed, a left-handed shot. In, his, in the 2021 season, 44 points, including 11 goals for the Green Bay Gamblers. He served as the captain for that Gamblers team. And gentlemen, he has a very nice head of hockey hair. Some superb lettuce on that man. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, indeed. I was I was looking at the player profile pictures when I was going through this list, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. Oh, what a what an absolute flow. What a stunner right there. I can't wait to see that on the ice. But uh, next player we have up on the list, number 18, Griffin Lochran. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. It's a little bit different from his last name spelling, but hey, we'll get these pronunciations right eventually. He is a junior. He stands at five foot six. He weighs in at 145. I feel like I'm a wrestling announcer at this point. <laughs> He's from uh, West Seneca, New York. He shoots right. He transferred from Northern Michigan University. So Michigan guy coming up from, what is it, Northern Michigan? Is that is that Marquette? Am I, am I right here? I don't know. I think that is. Yeah, it's Marquette. So yeah. coming in from Marquette. Uh, his career at Northern Michigan, he was there for three years. He tallied 72 points with 35 goals and 37 assists in 88 games played. If we take a look at just the last season, he had 15 points, 5 goals, and 10 assists in 16 games played. So just under a point per game, that's not bad for a transfer. And uh, earlier I mentioned, he's five foot six, 145, and he's a junior transfer. This is literally the Charlie Combs recipe. Charlie Combs was five foot six, around the same weight, you know, a, a decent goal scorer. So if you want any resemblance to anything last year, Griffin kind of looks like or kind of fits the uh, Charlie Combs mold. So we'll see what he could do. Yeah, but the very good thing is is when you look at his stats, that's a you said it's almost a point a game or point per game player and that's something that this team drastically needs going into this season. So look for him to like actually have a very good breakout year with especially being in the Big 10 conference where a lot of games are won based on how much you can rattle an opposing team's goaltender. And as we saw later in that season, there were a couple of goaltender tandems, especially, you know, Ohio State, that kind of lost a little bit of their edge late in the season. Same thing with Penn State. They couldn't figure out a stable goalie uh, goalie rotation for them. So getting a guy who can, who can walk the walk, especially in a league where there's a couple of goaltenders who seem a little bit shaky from last year and are looking to improve, look for him to start striking early. Yeah, and the transfer from junior to college, as we've seen with a lot of these players coming in last year, it's not easy. It is not easy. Any level you step up in in hockey, it's it's going to be hard. Most people will not pick it up. So having a player that has three years of college experience, very, very good. Can't wait to see him play. Yeah, and then also next on that list, keep keep moving down on the list of the new guys. Um, we got Chris Berger, who's going to be a junior, uh, another New Yorker, in addition to Walker. Um 59185 is a transfer from Brown University, actually. Um, so another Ivy League in the mix there. Um, and his career, if over his three years and 65 games played, put up 28 points for 11 goals, 17 assists. Um, didn't, yeah, that, uh, the total games played isn't all that much just because the Ivy League canceled like all of their winter sports last year um, due to COVID and whatnot. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how he's going to do. I'm, I'm eager. Um, hopefully the, the offense can help transfer over a little bit. Um, just provided that goal scoring that MSU very desperately needs. Yeah, and as you talk about that, there was a lot of teams last year that did not play, including in the ECAC, um, the Ivy Leagues. There was a there was a lot less of a pool to draw from and seeing how, you know, Michigan State kind of compared to a lot of these national teams last year. Of course, we could compare them to a couple of teams, you know, kind of bottom of the barrel of power play percentage, but we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the pod. But moving on, this is somebody that I'm really excited about. A junior, Eric Middendorf. Six foot one forward weighs a buck ninety one from Scottsdale, Arizona. Able to poach him from the Arizona State Sun Devils program. He's a left-handed shot. Went to Colorado College for two years where he didn't really play much and instead decided to go play for the Chicago Steel for the past few years. Um, in the 2021 season, 68 points, including 32 goals in 53 games played for the Chicago Steel. He was also the captain, and he was fourth place on that team. But once again, as we talked about last year, going with these recruits coming in, Chicago, the Chicago Steel were a absolute buzzsaw of an offensive team in the USHL. They were stacked, and they ended up winning the Clark Cup. So good for him, a player with championship pedigree, albeit at the junior level, but still a guy who can score. 
is much needed on a team that did not score a lot last year. And we're going to be saying that over and over again these first few weeks until we get a couple of sample sizes in with these few games coming up. Yeah, if you're looking at somebody to instantly make noise on the roster, I would look at Eric Mendendorf. But hey, we'll see when puck drops, who's really stepping up, who's really playing. So uh, the last player that we are welcoming on to the MSU roster is forward number 26, Tanner Kelly. He's a freshman. He stands at 5'8", 165 from San Diego, California. Also shoots right, a couple righties, a couple lefties in this new edition of classmen here. In the 2021 season, he had 47 points, 21 goals, 26 assists, and 48 games played for the Muskegon Lumberjacks. And that was fourth on the team in points. So, hey, that counts for something. Also, we, we highlighted this earlier, but basically a point-per-game player. Michigan State needs people to come in this lineup and step up instantly and seeing almost a point-per-game player transferring in, that, that's just a good sign. That's a good thing. You know, it's something to look forward to. So there are all the new additions. You guys will get to know them on the ice a little bit more. We Hopefully we could do some, like, you know, in-person interviews, get some people in here in the studio. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. I'm not too sure about that, but uh, we'll see about that. <laughs> Everything's on the table this year. Oh, we'll yeah. see what we can do. We do not have many restrictions anymore. Luckily, well... COVID has gone down a bit but we'll see you know we're keeping our fingers crossed that stuff keeps opening up and getting bigger but um what i want to do next is we have all these new people and we have the returning players on the roster gentlemen i want you guys to pick a breakout player that you see improving a lot putting up some points on the board this year okay yeah um the one if we're if we're talking about the new guys at least coming in i think the one that has I know uh, Ryan more at the beginning of this kind of during that segment talked more about um, Eric Middendorf kind of being like one of his main guys uh, that he was thinking. Uh, but the one I was also looking at more was um, Griffin Lochran. Uh more so just because he, like we said, he is that kind of point per game style player. Uh, and there are a couple of those guys on the list. Um, I'm looking at Tanner Kelly also. Um, however, the thing that I would make reason I put Lochran ahead of all of those guys is just the, the age and the experience, you know, um, like Lockhart's coming in as a junior, um, Kelly's coming in as a freshman. So he has a little bit more of that experience under his belt. Um, you can kind of come in and fill that same role Charlie Combs did last year. Uh, I think they'll do that pretty easily right away. Um, so I think that's going to be probably the best or the best position for an MSU, a new MSU player to come in and contribute right away. Yeah, and I mean I. I literally, whenever we started this, I did not want to pick a transfer player or a freshman player to come in. I did that last year, and I was really kind of, you know, held. I I was held up a little bit. Uh, Kyle Haskins was the kid that I chose last year, and I was going to choose him again this year because he played very good in the first few weeks of the season until the team, until opposing teams kind of got onto the uh, good Sir Haskins Matson line, which was unfortunately dissolved halfway through the season after having, I think they scored the first four games. It was kind of legendary what they were doing, especially as a third line group. But for me, uh, it's a player that kind of stood out later on in this season. And it's actually probably going to be a position that a lot of people have a few different opinions about. It's going to be the defenseman Nash Neenhaus. Last year, we saw him late on later on in the season. He was quarterbacking the first power play unit with Dennis Sasana kind of moving up towards a kind of a slot slash face-off dot one-time roll, while Needhouse was the guy that was basically up on the point, one on skating and tiptoeing the blue line just by himself and basically trying to make a play, which any if you trust a, def, a freshman defenseman that much to put him on not only the first power play unit, but to let him lead it, that's got to speak for something. And now with Sasana being the being named the captain, you can you can obviously see that Sasana and his teachings have rubbed off on Needhouse and Needhouse enough to where these four assists that he had last year in 25 games played, I would not be surprised if he doubled it this year with the way that this kid plays. He's an offensive masterpiece and he could play defense. And especially a team that you know loses Tommy Miller to the transfer portal. There's there's not gonna be a lot of people that are shot blocking a lot anymore, but a lot of the times last year we saw it was the forwards, but the defensemen are gonna have to pick up a little bit of the slack there. But Needhouse, he's gonna be an offensive juggernaut for this team, hopefully. 
Yeah, there's not too many offensive defensemen. I would say it's Nienhaus, Sazana right now, and that's the list. So obviously, Sazana entering his senior season, you want somebody to step up offensively on defense, and that's an excellent pick. I like that. I like Nash Nienhaus as a player. I would love to see him break out. For me, I'm going to go with two just because I want to pick one on roster. I'm sorry. I'm, I'll go... I'll go on the roster guy real quick. I'll go through him real quick. Uh, it's Christoph Papp. He bounced around the roster a bunch. He had a lot of skill. It's just he never seemed to find his place on the roster. I want to see him settle down in a line as a center, get his two wingers, and stick with that, and I want to see this guy flourish. That's my guy on the roster. I went through him quickly. Don't worry. But the real guy I want to see flourish, I want to see him break out. Obviously, it's his first year, but it's Eric Middendorf. We talked about the numbers he put up last season on the Chicago Steel. I'll highlight it again. He had 68 points in 53 games played. Obviously, on a stacked Chicago Steel team, he was fourth in points on the team, so that shows how stacked that team was. But like Cam said earlier, you're bringing in a captain, somebody who's won because the Chicago Steel won the USHL. They won the Clark Cup. You bring in somebody with this, it seems like it's a recipe for early success. So. I'm going to look at Eric Middendorf, and hopefully he's doing something this season. That would be awesome. So uh, looking at the roster a little bit more, we have new captains and assistant captains. Ladies and gentlemen, sound the alarms. We don't have any alarms in here, so that's fine. That, that's cool. But um, obviously, Tommy Apab and Tommy Miller are not on the team anymore, so somebody had to step up as a captain, and that man is Dennis Cezana. Congratulations, Cezana. Well-deserved. And he... Anything you guys want to say on that? Not particular. I mean, <laughs> I don't have any have any true thoughts. I mean, it's nice to see um, someone that had the A last year get promoted up to the C. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm curious to see how he does at, in that real true like leadership position. I guess this year. Yeah, it was kind of weird for us, kind of hearing that news because the first thought when I was in class and I saw this was there was about a three week period last year where we thought he was transferring. Because he, he kissed the Spartan head logo and there was like a little bit of a talk between all four of us with Hattie about is he actually going to transfer or not. But it's like, okay, he's, he's bought into the system. He's wearing the CNL and it's very good to see a team that was groomed on defense last year. Um, a lot of low scoring games. A team like Michigan State that harps on defense, seeing a defenseman get the captain role is especially a player of Sasana's caliber is pretty eye-opening and should be really well received by the team. The two assistant captains for this year are Mitchell Lewandowski and his, is this his fifth year? Yep. Fifth year. Yep. So he's back for his fifth year. And then Josh Nodler picks up an A, which I greatly like somebody that I talked about a lot on the pod last year. And hopefully he steps up a little bit too. But um, a little bit of new ad additions to the coaching staff. We got Dylan Strom. He's a volunteer assistant coach. And Peter Ward is a senior advisor to the coaching staff. So welcome to the Michigan State team, gentlemen. And uh, we're jumping into some Big Ten preseason honors now. Um, Big Ten, every single year before the season, they do first team, second team, honorable mentions. And they also do a uh, coaches poll to see where the coaches think the teams are going to place in the Big Ten. So uh, first one is Michigan State had three players receiving Big Ten preseason honors. Unfortunately, no first or second teams, but Dennis Cezana, Mitchell Lewandowski, and Drew DeRitter all got Big Ten preseason honorable mentions. So like I said, weren't on the first or second team, but an honorable mention, hey, you'll take that when you could get it. So three Spartans get that. But what I want to highlight is Michigan and Minnesota absolutely ran away with this there was there are six players on each uh first team and second team michigan and minnesota combined for 10 of those 12 players the first team was two people from michigan thomas bordelow and owen power and four people from minnesota ben myers sammy walker jackson lacombe and jack lafontaine and then the second team there was two players from michigan and two players from minnesota and then one notre dame one wisconsin so that's just I, I just wanted to highlight that. That's absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. 10 of the first 12 best players in the Big Ten, most likely, that on two teams. Like, that's absolutely wild. Just shows you how stacked the Big Ten is in terms of the talent, especially those two teams. Oh, man. Yeah, and I mean, if we take a look at it, Owen Power, Matty Beneers, 
and I I don't know about Ken Johnson, but I'm pretty sure Power and Beneers went in the top five this year in the in the draft. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know about Ken Johnson. I don't either. I, I think he might have went fourth. It, I think it was Power first, Beneers, Be- Beneers second, and then Johnson Dude. fourth. Yeah, and then they had Quinn Hughes, or the the other the other Hughes brother. Luke that, Hughes? Yeah, that was drafted. Yeah, yeah that's my like, bad. Wow, Michigan had a record-breaking year in the NHL uh, draft. That's definitely for sure. But even then, you look at that, like, six players from Minnesota out of 12 in yep. the preseason honors. But you know what? There's there's no, you know, slack on or given to the two players that weren't from Minnesota or Michigan, which were two very good players last year, Graham Slaggart of Notre Dame and Cameron Rowe. Surprisingly, that kid played very well near the end of the year especially once Wisconsin needed to find a true number one goalie. He was there. Yeah, Robbie Baydoon. Baydoon did not have a very good year yeah. last year. And Rowe, I think that was his freshman year last year, stepped up massively yeah. for that Wisconsin team. They get they got a little bit of a push late in the, late in the year, as I'm pretty sure Michigan State was within like a two-game behind um, struggle with them at the bottom of the barrel before Wisconsin kind of rode away with or, – uh, Never actually, never mind. Wisconsin was up there a while, but Baydoon struggled a lot, and then, you know, they win the Big Ten regular season title because Cameron Rowe played lights out. Mm. Oh yeah, he stepped into that role. The near the second half of the season, they were kind of bouncing games. You know, Baydoon and Rowe would switch, but then yeah, Rowe took over near the second half, and like you said, big or yeah, Big Ten regular season championship for Wisconsin there. So there we go. He gets the second team preseason honors, but. We're jumping into the uh, Big Ten preseason poll for whole teams-wise now. We're going to see how the coaches think all the teams in the Big Ten are going to fall. Number one, kind of no surprise between one and two here, but number one is Minnesota. Number two is Michigan. Coming in at three is Wisconsin. Obviously, I think that's the three-headed demon of the Big Ten, Minnesota, Michigan, and Wisconsin. It's going to be hard to knock those teams off. Notre Dame checks in at fourth. Penn State at fifth. Michigan State actually at six, the second year in a row there at six, one spot ahead of Ohio State at seven. So, gentlemen, you got any thoughts on that preseason poll there? It looks pretty good to me. Honestly, I would probably say about the same thing. Only thing, I might switch Wisconsin to Michigan just for whatever reason, Kind of, even though they do have all that talent on that roster. They still pretty underperformed last year given that talent on that roster. So we kind of expect the same thing to happen again, really. Um but they finished third or fourth last year in the Big Ten. If they were they were third right ahead of Notre Dame, if my memory serves me correct. Yeah, but, so was, I know it was between them and Notre Dame for three and four. But I, I would honestly put, yeah, I, I think I'd switch Michigan to Wisconsin. Other than that, though, I think this is a pretty solid list. But the thing is, last year, Michigan, sure, they had the talent, but all of them are freshman first years. Now, that freshman talent has a year under a belt. They're sophomores now. Does that, that change your mind a little bit, or...? You gonna you gonna stick with that? No, not I, I think okay. I, I think I'm still gonna stick with my original prediction, but you never know. Yeah, I, I, like I said, this is all just predictions. Mm. So we can remember last year, uh, first episode of the pod where we all picked Wisconsin to finish dead last. Oh my gosh! Wow, you had to expose us like that. Yeah. Hey guys, welcome to Behind the Mask, where we may have gotten last season completely wrong, but besides the point. New season, new us, right? <laughs> right, hopefully. No, a more season of experience under our belts. We yes. know, we know there, what we're talking about. There we go, just like the Michigan freshman, of course. There we go. I mean, I kind of like this list. Um, I was trying to find a good kind of counter for Jacob's point about Michigan, but if you look at it, Strauss Mann's gone. It's Eric Portillo. Is they're probably going to be their number one goalie. They have a new sophomore or a sophomore goaltender. I just found it. I don't know who he is, but Portillo is still a very good goaltender. But you kind of lose the Strauss Man effect, who was a very good goalie that kept them in a lot of games, including the nine nothing whitewashing of Michigan State at Yost last year. But honestly, there's. I would not be surprised to see a two-horse race at the top and then a battle for that third position. And if we take a look at last year and how the Big Ten tournament like fared out, it was Minnesota that came on top in the second-seeded position, and then the Big Ten just absolutely got 
demolished in the big or in the NCAA tournament. Of course, Michigan didn't play a game because of uh, COVID nineteen outbreak within the team, but still, Bemidji beat the brakes off of Wisconsin opening round. So there, there's a lot there. But to me, um, I could see Ohio State finishing bottom. I could see Michigan State kind of going back and forth between Notre Dame and Penn State for that four, five, and six position. Wisconsin, they lose Cole Caulfield, but they still have a lot of firepower on that team. Michigan's got more experience, and then Minnesota, they've got a lot of guys back. So, um, if anything, I could see one and two being Minnesota and Michigan, three being Wisconsin, but I could probably see Michigan State anywhere between four, five, and six. And then Ohio State, unfortunately for them, the Buckeyes kind of rounding out and last. Yeah, so Michigan State... Once again, checking in at six, hoping for a different season. We'll see, though. Speaking of a different season, we got a schedule to break down, ladies and gentlemen. The full schedule has been out for a while. We've looked at it. We've pondered it. We may have had some nightmares of it maybe later in the season. I don't know. I didn't have any, but I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. But um, uh, I guess we'll... I'll, hi- I'll highlight the first couple games that we could talk about what we want to with the schedule. So... Michigan State opens up in an exhibition game, so this doesn't really count towards those count towards their overall record. They open up against USN TDP. After that, they got a series at home against Air Force and then at home against Miami. And uh, then they travel on the road to UMass Lowell, and then that wraps up their out-of-conference play. So I'll stop there on that. There's a whole bunch more, but... Looking at the schedule, what do you guys see out of the schedule? What realistic expectations do you guys have? Maybe talk about a little bit of the the uh, Big Ten play in it, and I don't know, just go go right ahead. I mean, it's going to be a grind. I mean, that's something we've kind of already known, just being in the Big Ten in general. It, it is a grind. Um, but the out of conference schedule is um, it's interesting. It's a it's a good variety of teams. I think MSU has a good chance to come away with some quality wins off the bat. Um, but the the part that I'm eyeing the most right now is the start of February. Steers against Minnesota followed immediately by by a home and home uh, with Michigan. Immediately after that's going to be uh, a four game slate that I would not want to be a part of. With the Spartans, I'll do I'll do you one further. January. There that that is a Ooh. very very tough schedule. You open up the new calendar year. After hosting two teams, Western and Michigan Tech, in the GLI this year, it's not going to be at Joe Lewis. Both Michigan and Michigan State will host opposing teams at their barns. So there will be two games at Munn on the 29th and 30th of December, which will finish up non-conference play for the Spartans. But January and those first two weeks of February, two-game series against Minnesota at home, then you go on the road to Wisconsin, come back home against Ohio State like two weeks later, and then at Minnesota, and then a home and home versus Michigan. In that, so in that you have two series against Minnesota, a series against Wisconsin, and a series against Michigan. So that is six. I want to say six games. No, it's eight out of ten games against teams that are predicted to finish top three in the Big Ten. And you're playing them all within a month and a half stretch, and not to mention, two of those series is two of those series are on the road. To be fair, you do end that uh, that that month though with the with the um, home series against Ohio State though, so it, could, it, it evens out a little bit, I think. <laughs> it does help a little bit. You can lick your wounds a little bit after you go to Wisconsin, yeah. just because it is but then, Wisconsin. But yeah, even that that brief uh, respite, if you will, um, with the Ohio State series, then yeah three road games in a row, Minnesota twice, and then Michigan once, and then you come back home to play Michigan again. However, they do actually have an extra week to prepare. I just saw they don't play the week of the 28th of January. So they have two weeks to prepare for the big barn against Minnesota on the Olympic sheet, which, as we saw on a couple of games last year, they got burned badly along the wings just because of the size of that rink. Mm Mm-hmm. So they'll they'll have a little bit of a, a rest period, you know, get their sea legs back a little bit, but that is a very tough stretch. And I mean, you kind of take a look at how their season goes. 
they have two chances to really take a stronghold of their season and really take it into their own hands. And that is the December or the two, two series before the December break. And then the two series to end the season, both are Penn state and Notre Dame. The first one on the road to end the first semester. And then uh, at home against Notre Dame and Penn state to finish off the season. Again, those are two teams that, <coughs> excuse me, those are two teams that they're going to be battling with all, all season long. And as we saw last year, those are two teams that can either get on streaks or they can get a little bit weird. But, I mean, Penn State on the road and Notre Dame on the road, if they come out with two, if they can get two or three wins out of that, you know, four stretch of games, that's a win. Just because Penn State is a very hard place to play at uh, for almost any sport. Those kids go crazy over there. And then Notre Dame is just, Danton does not have a lot of luck at Notre Dame. Yeah, usually a lot of low-scoring games that end up going in Notre Dame's favor. I feel like there was a lot of 2-1s, a lot of 3-2s against Notre Dame. And Four just, threes in overtime. Ugh, just Yeah, so schedule looking very daunting on the second half. Hopefully Michigan State can pick up some non-conference wins and get some you know wins under their belt before they go into conference play. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to go first. I'm going to go ahead and accurately predict the MSU record. Yep, it's happening right now. I'm I'm boosting myself up 100%, but it's going to happen. I need to count how many games there actually are. On <laughs> we, we got oh, 34, 34, yeah, 34 yeah. total games? Yeah, you okay. put it at the top. So uh, I'm going with the record. And also, check my mat. Wait, is this off? No, that could, that's off. That look, We're going to change that real quick. Okay, now I've mathed correctly, I oh, think. Geez. Anyways, I'm, I'm predicting MSU. It's going to be a rough season. Hopefully, the sophomores, the freshmen of last year, step up and contribute to the scoring and hopefully some freshmen do as well but it's going to be hard for this team to score they're going to be solid on defense with two great goalies in charleston and deritter i think it's going to be still a rough season though finishing near the bottom of the big 10 i'm going with a daunting 9 19 and 7 ties i think this team will tie a lot not win too many games it's going to be a lot of low scoring close games and I'm going with that record. I'm not too proud of it, but that's where I sit right now. What about you guys? I'm going to be a little more optimistic about it. Um, I'm going to go 13, 18, and 3. Um, that's kind of more of a number I just kind of pulled out of nowhere because um, I was trying to make sure all they added up to 34. <laughs> but, um, no, I feel like they, I feel like generally speaking, that's a fair range to put them in. Um, a few games over 500, or under 500, I mean, is I think generally what you can expect they'll be able to pick up some wins against like the Ohio States of the world and you know, the out of conference games that they will definitely be able to win. Um, but like I said, I just, you know, there's a lot of times where you, you look at this list and you think where the wins going to come from. And like, you know, the, there's always like the random games out of nowhere where they'll go in to like Yost and upset Michigan for no reason. Uh, like when they had no business doing so. So the, they'll, they'll, they'll come out somewhere. I just don't really know where. Uh, and so for now, I'm just going to say a little under 500 for now. A few games, like four or five. I think hmm, I don't like a lot of ties. Um, they're going to go into overtime, but they're probably going to lose a couple of games in overtime. So I'm going to say 13 wins. I don't want to have a lot of ties, so I got to do this math real quick. <laughs> yeah, that's why I made mine right 13, before. 13, 19, and 2. 13-19-2, okay. I, th- I think Michigan State, like Jacob said, picks up wins against the Ohio States of the world, but I also think they do pretty well in non-conference, and then they do split a couple of series that they probably shouldn't win against uh, Penn State and Notre Dame. Um, if they finish above 13 wins, I think it's anywhere close to that 500 mark is a huge victory, especially with the way th- with the state of the Big Ten this year. And as long as they don't have a super terrible record against the big three of uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Michigan, they could battle for that fourth position in the Big Ten, which would be mighty fine for a team, especially because you'd get home ice advantage or technically if the tournament is still on neutral ice, last change. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on this year is Michigan State's home record, which also has, you know, last change built in it. So 
Yeah, it seems to be the battle for the fourth between Michigan State, Penn State, Notre Dame, and Ohio State because, like we highlighted, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Minnesota just, uh, it's going to be hard to get in front of them in the leaderboards. They're going to be battling for one through three the whole season, or what seems like the whole season. Who knows what's going to happen? It's sports. Like I said, anything can happen. But gentlemen, we talked about the schedule. We talked about our records. What do you think this team is going to look like this year? What's their identity? What can you look at when you look at MSU hockey? Personally, I, I just kind of expect it to be more of like a, I guess the word I would use to describe it almost is patchwork, I feel like. I feel like it's kind of just a bunch of pieces. I don't know how well all the pieces fit together um, is kind of my big thing. Lots of new guys. It reminds me a lot of what Maltaco was doing this year at the football team. I don't expect the results to be nearly as good. Um, but yeah, so far, it's just I, there's a lot of new guys coming in, a lot of guys that left. Um, I just I don't really see any position group as being like particularly solid outside of goaltender. And so I, I'm going to, uh, yeah, like I said, I don't really expect too much. I'm expecting uh, probably about fifth or sixth in the Big Ten, I would say. But yeah, I just don't, I just don't really know how cohesive of a team this is going to be if they have a true identity. I mean, if we take a look a lot about last year, Michigan State did not have a lot of convincing wins. They eked out a lot of games, and that was because there was not a lot of goal scoring, as I'll get later on in the pod once we go into this week's matchup. But when you take a look at it, this team, they've got more guys that can technically light the lamp. But the problem is, is is that actually going to happen? Are they going to be able to gel? Now, the good thing is, is that we saw a lot of this last year. The blender was used a lot. Dan Cole used the blender. He mixed up the lines. Christoph Papp, he was at center, and then he was at wing, and then he was out of the lineup, back on wing, back on center. Same thing with Josh Nadler. Nadler played wing for a majority of the last few games. He's a natural centerman, as he talked about today during media availability. He, he wants to play center. There's a different you know caliber of leadership and defensive skills involved, but this is a team that's going to have some mobility when it comes to certain players. To And we saw that last year. It may have worked in some games. It may not have worked. But those guys have that experience. So that's something that a lot of teams are going to have to play for is the fact that if Danton comes out with a lineup, it's not going to be the same lineup going into the second period. There's going to be some guys that will switch lines. They'll switch positions. But once, once again, we said strong goaltending. Goaltending a lot of the times wins championships. Um, you can't really blame Michigan State for being a super defensive team this year, especially with the goalie tandem that they have. And I will say it, they have probably the best goalie tandem in the Big Ten. As of this point in time, you saw what Charleston did in the Big Ten tournament. You saw what DeRitter was able to do. And DeRitter is focusing a lot more this year on being better and kind of having that John Lethamin style season that we saw two years ago when Lethamin was a senior. And he, he stole a lot of games that year. As we all saw, he stole many games that Michigan State had no chance in being in. But yeah, honestly, I ex- I expect them to hopefully score a little bit more goals. Uh, there's a lot of players that are that are hoping that, but they're still going to be a defensive-minded team. But I like the way that this team shapes up and looking. I'm going to make a reference there. They're starting to look like the Dallas Stars with the way that they're def- they use their defensemen. When you have Sasana and Nash Needhouse, who can pretty much play exactly like John Klingberg and Miro Haskinen, that's always good is to be able to have defensemen that can join in on the rush because that one extra guy, and you both are goalies, you know that one extra guy, a three-on-two is already hard enough, a defenseman trailing on the forecheck or trailing on the on the rush makes it a four-on-two, you're screwed. So... I don't know. I like it. I'm, I've got high hopes for this team. Yeah, it's a new look for the team. Obviously, it's college every single year. People graduate, people move on, new people come in. So who knows what's going to happen this year? Hopefully, we all want some more scoring, but who knows? The Yeah, the goalie tandem, though, is going to look solid. The defense, I feel like it's going to be the uh, Fort Worth of the team. We're going to, or MSU rather, is going to rely on the defense a lot more than they're scoring, much like last year. So Hopefully it could change a little bit, get better, and MSU could get some goals in the meanwhile. But speaking of some goals, hopefully some goals will be scored in this game. We have our first preview of this season. Michigan State is traveling to USNTDP for a preliminary match, not actually counting towards their record. 
So they're going to Plymouth in the USA Hockey Arena this weekend, Saturday on October 2nd. Um, it's it's the first exhibition game of the year. Who knows what's going to happen? Gentlemen, what are you guys looking at for this matchup? It's a very um, conflicting matchup, I'll say. Um, just two completely different styles. Like we said, MSU last year, at least, their identity more so was the try and win every game one nothing by dragging each team to kind of a defensive showdown um, and see who blinks first. Uh, the National Development Program, different story. You have a lot of high-name guys. These are young guys, and mind you. They're, these kids are all born in like 2003, 2004. Um, but these are some skilled kids. These are all of the guys that are fast, and they're going to basically try and stick handle around you the whole game and then create some open space that way snipe top corner. So very, very fast, very kind of, you know, push the pace type of play. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting matchup, I think. But um, we'll, see, we'll just see how it has to play out then. Yeah, you the, the the development team is very good to start off the season. I don't know if you want to go over the little notes that we put over about them, but they're 3-1-0 in this season in the USHL, and they've scored 21 goals in four games. They have not scored less than four in any game so far this season. They hung up eight against the team earlier, uh, I think about two weeks ago. Oh, geez. And all they've played so far are other junior teams. They've not played any college teams yet. Well, yes, Yes. exactly. But, I mean, they're playing their USHL schedule. So, Mm -hmm. And their leading scorer is a University of Michigan commit who has five goals in in four games. So, Jeez. And three assists on top of that. Yeah, three assists. I mean, apples too, but the five Genos are... (laughs) <laughs> deadly. deadly so yeah Michigan State definitely has their work cut out for him in this exhibition game so I'm bringing back a little segment that I liked last year we'll, we'll see how it plays out but I'm bringing back the blank wins if Jacob Stinson Michigan State wins if they do what in this matchup if they play physical really that's the kind of they have to establish their kind of their tone and they have to establish uh, they're going to be the ones dictating the pace of the game early uh, just because the way that the NTDP plays with that tempo, they have to play, or they have to basically make them play MSU's game, because um, really, they're if NTT, NTDP is dictating the pace, they will skate circles around them, uh, and it will not be pretty. So if MSU can kind of drag them into a physical, um, all, you know, uh, what's the word? Slugfest, maybe that's a good word. Um, if they can kind of drag them to a slower, more physical game, use their advantage of them being older and bigger. Uh, try and use that to their advantage, then I think we have a good shot here. Then I think MSU has a good shot of winning. Uh, but we have a good shot at a close game. But we'll just have to see. Cabra McLaren, how does MSU win this game? Well, um, I'm going to go pseudo John Madden and say if they can score more points than the, <laughs> the national development team. If if Michigan State can score, actually score some goals, they'll, they'll win this game, uh, you know. The way to win any game is to outscore your opponent. Yes, I understand that. And it's kind of like the biggest cliche that you could ever say. But taking a look, if you look at the statistics from last year of this Michigan State team, they were shut out six times. Mind you, they won seven games. They were shut out six times. We didn't know which number was going to be higher. And Michigan State scored three or more goals in four games. In those four games, they were undefeated. So... As a wise man once said, th- score three or more, you're most likely going to win this game. And I'll throw something else in there. The last time these two teams met two years ago, State won 2-1. So, Michigan State can get a lead, play with that to their advantage, and, you know, catch a few breaks on their side, get a little bit of puck luck. Three goals, this game should be well within their reach, especially if, as Jacob said, if they play physical. If they If they start going into a track meet, it's going to be exactly like they played against Minnesota last year, and it's not going to be fun for the eyes. Yeah, not at all. I don't I don't want to think of those Minnesota games last year. Oh, man. So uh, MSU wins if I'm basically going to repeat what Jacob said. Play physical right off the bat. Establish your game before U.S. and TDP can establish theirs. If you make NTDP play slow, play physical, that's not their game. They're not going to do that, or they're not going to want to do that. They're going to be uncomfortable. And like Ham said, MSU, score some goals. Boom. There you go. You're going to win. So next is the U.S. National Team Development Program wins if Jacob. Um, 
if they literally just keep doing what they're doing, if they don't change anything, they'll win. Uh, the stat that I say more so looking at this that really comes to mind is the 21 goals in four games. That if they can kind of just keep up even a semblance of that pace and keep that you know high high tempo offense, it just depends on. Like I said, like I said back on the MSU part, um, it all is just dependent on who can establish that pace and what style is going to be played that game early. So if they come out out of the gates swinging, you know, fire shots on net, they've got the talent th- to put them in the net. So if they just keep getting a ton of shots on net, play fast, and just keep doing everything they've been doing so far these fa- these first few games, they should have no problem winning. Cameron, U.S. National Team Development Program wins it. Well, if they can play defense. I love how I just went, all right, Michigan State needs to score, and uh, the development team needs to just actually play defense. But I like what Jacob said. You know, with that, with the development team, if it isn't broke, don't fix it. So, you know, what's what's going well for them is scoring. But a little caveat for this team. They can score a lot, but they've given up five goals in two of their four games. And one of those games they did lose. The one game that they didn't was an 8-5 to five just absolute shootout two weeks ago. But they did lose last week to Fargo by 5-4. to four. This is a team that can, and in essence, play defense. But as we said, they're young guys. If you put a little bit more physicality on them, especially against a Big Ten goaltender, whoever it's going to be, whether it's Charlson or it's DeRitter, those are bigger guys. Those are guys that are faster than probably a couple of the goaltenders that they're playing. They're more experienced. Charlson played with Brooks in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. They were really good. He played very well for them. Actually, I'm pretty sure they they didn't do super well, but Charlson played very well with Brooks. And then as we've seen DeRitter over the few years, he can steal games out of... He can get water out of thin air if he wanted to. So it's going to be... if the development team can play defense and play phys- like actual good physical defense against Michigan State and kind of force them out of areas that are good for garbage goals, which is what Michigan State scored a lot of last year. Goals that are near the crease, around the crease, in the slot areas, second chance, third chance opportunities. That'll be their key to winning this game. Yeah, and for me, the USNTDP is going to win if I'm once again going to copy Jacob. They play their game. They score if US NTDP scores first. I feel like that's just going to be a recipe for disaster for MSU. So if you're MSU, don't let them score first. The next thing we got, we got a little bit of fun, a little bit of interesting convo here. We got some prop bets this uh, this podcast. So we got some random questions that we were speculating about earlier. What's going to happen during the season? Blah blah. So hey, we just put them in the put them in the pod because why not? So the first one is: Will Michigan State's power play percentage? be above the conference win total last year power play was not very good we're not going to bring up that number it's last year don't need to talk about it but will their power play percentage this year be above the conference win total uh okay first for, for context for if there's any new listeners out there the number for the power play percentage last year uh was but i'm not gonna say the exact number but it was between five and seven um <laughs> okay i mean that helps yeah um so I'm going to say yes. The power play percentage will be better, or will be above the conference win total. Um, I expect. I don't expect much in this power play. I can expect it to be around maybe like ten percent. Um, and granted, that probably most of the MSU's wins this season um, are going to come from outside the conference. Um, just granted that schedule we talked about earlier. I'm going to say yes that the power play percentage will be above the conference win total, especially with the new guys they brought in. Like I said, it'll be improved a little bit. Um, still not going to be fantastic. It's not going to turn into like the Wisconsin power play last year, but um, yeah, I still, I still think it'll be better. Not by much, but it'll be better. Yeah, I love I love how you just brought in the Wisconsin power play because it, as I've I've talked to both of y'all where I basically said you know you didn't really need to know who was on Wisconsin's second power play unit because they scored right off the bat with their first unit, and it takes something. It takes a lot of courage. To put five forwards on a power play. Oh, yeah. And not, to make matters worse, they put Cole Caulfield as the left defenseman, which was hilarious because all he would do is just the faceoff would be won by Pelton Bias. He would just go and snipe at top corner. It was hilarious to watch. But, no, I mean, a lot of what went wrong for Michigan State last year were these one-goal, two-goal games that 
could be all turned upside down if they would have scored on the power play. I mean, we talk about, I'm pretty sure that final number was 6.7%. Oh, it's been said. It's been... It's not taboo. (laughs) I mean, it's not he who shall not be named, but at the same time, it's... Close to it. If Michigan State scores on the power play, they're going to win more games. That's just how this team is. They They like to play with a lead. They like to play their style of game. It just all depends on if they can score. But my thing is, is this year, those two numbers... Go hand in hand with each other. They score more, they're going to win more, especially on the power play. So for me, I I I have high hopes with the players that they've brought in. I'm going to say it's higher. They'll probably win some games with a few power play goals, but I think it's probably going to be ten to twelve. Uh, ten conference. Actually, never mind. I'm going to scratch that. It's going to be nine to twelve. Nine conference wins. 12 percentage or 12 percent on the power play yeah for me i'm also taking the power play percentage has to be better than the conference wins because it was bad last year it can't it can't be that bad i'm just i'm hoping to pray and fingers crossed it cannot be that bad again that hopefully is an outlier we'll see but yeah i'm going with power play percentage i think conference wins is going to be around like six or seven something really really low so you know, that's hard to get six or seven percent on the power play. MSU did it last year, but they're not doing it this year. Mark my words. And if they do it again this year, hey, just go ahead and blame me. I don't I mean, that's fine. But moving on to the next prop bet here. I threw in this one just because I think this is really interesting. A little bit of goalie debate here. Who's going to have more wins at the end of the season? Drew DeRitter or Pierce Charlson? It's going to be DeRitter. He's the senior coach is going to give him kind of more of the the if it's like, if it's like a 50-50 tie he'd give it to the senior i feel like in that case um and director was solid for them last year he didn't have any true like bad games he was he kind of cooled off a little bit towards the end of the season that's why they started charleston um but i think as a whole i mean director was fantastic for like the majority of that season last year i don't see really any reason why um danton would start charleston off the bat um unless Dorito were to get injured or just not play well or something like that. But um, I, d- I don't expect that to be happening, so I'm going to go with Dorito. I think it all depends on how the ma- how they perceive the game plan against their non-conference opponents. Because you can make a case for which goalie should start which game against certain opponents. So like as we saw, a lot, as if you take a look at both goaltenders, Charlson is a little bit more nimble He's not as fast. I mean, he was very, he was lightning fast against Minnesota in the Big Ten tournament, but he's bigger. With DeRitter, DeRitter is a little bit more agile. He's smaller, but he's more agile in net. So think of it as a difference between, I'm going to reference the stars again, Ben Bishop, who's a taller, stronger goaltender, versus Anton Hudobin, who's a more feisty, agile, nimble goaltender. So against teams that like, Minnesota and against, uh, let's see, Minnesota, probably Penn State and Notre Dame, teams that necessarily they'll run and gun, but they're not too fancy with how they score, you could put in Charleston. Against teams like Wisconsin, Michigan, and a little bit of Ohio State, you could throw in the Ritter because those are teams that like to move the puck around, like to use screens, and like to, uh, they have a couple of chances on the breakaway. So, to me, it's just all depending on how much um, they plan ahead for certain other teams. But I would probably say, just because of the way he plays, I'm going to have to go with Charleston. Just because a, a bigger goaltender takes up more of the net. He's not as fast, but he can make those saves. It's basically the same thing as having a DeRitter, except a few inches taller. But honestly, I think both goaltenders, it's going to be neck and neck all year. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and harp off that drum or whatever the heck the saying is and go and agree with you, Cam. I feel like it's going to be Danton Cole starting DeRitter one game of the series, Charleston the other, getting a feel of them, seeing which one he likes. But I feel like in the second half of the year, he's going to find his guy. I feel like Drew DeRitter, he's going to be Cole's guy right off the bat. He's the senior. He's probably going to give him some leeway. I think DeRitter is going to have a lot of solid games. What we saw last year, sometimes Drew DeRitter, I mean, 
blame the defense on it, but sometimes he just seemed like he was sleeping right off the bat. Obviously, the defense wasn't much help in some of those blowout games, but I feel like Cole will give DeRitter the uh, the key right off the bat. I think he's going to not fumble it that much, but have some games where Cole doubts it. He, he'll put in Charleston, and I think Charleston's going to flourish more in the second half of the season. I feel like Drew DeRitter will take more first half, Charleston in the second half, and I'm going to say Charleston gets more wins in the end of it all. So there are some little prop bets, some little random stuff we want to talk about. We'll probably bring some some of those random questions back in in some other podcasts. But what we're bringing back, the most interesting part for us, because we get to you know go head to head against each other, the pickums, And we have to do some justice here. Cameron McLaren, ladies and gentlemen, I would clap, but I feel like that will sound terrible on the mic, was the winner of the Big Ten Pickums last year. Congratulations, Cam. Do you have any words, any acceptance speech? For everybody who doubted me and the slim majority that knew that UMass was going to beat St. Uh, St. Cloud State, thank you for believing in me, even when all three of you, including Hattie, did not think it was possible. I had one chance to win it all. Mama, we made it. Mic drop. Which was the bigger choke, uh, me in the Pickums or the Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl? You. You in the Pickums. You. Everybody knows about that one. Yeah, if we're, we're going to talk about my rise to fame, let's also like talk about Jacob's like fall from grace. Fall from grace, Ooh. exactly. Being first in the Pickums for a majority of the year. Like, until, I was like dominating for the entire until year. Until the double down, and he got a little bit too anxious with the double down and, and then fumbled it all fumbled. away. It's fumble with the one yard line right there. That was just not it. You were you were one yard short. So were the Falcons. No, I'm, well, think, I'm thinking. I don't know. One yard I don't know. I'm just saying. It's just meh. you get you get what I'm saying. It's yeah. Let's well, move, let's, move, let's keep moving. Yeah, let's yeah. Keep moving. move on. Congratulations, Cam. But we got whole new fresh slate this year. Everybody starts off, of course, at zero points. If you correctly predict a sweep in a two game series, that is two points. If you correctly predict a split that is one point and if you don't predict anything right obviously that's zero that's not negative we also have a little bit of a double down caveat we'll explain that next pod no we're not well, doing. Well, never mind yeah. just not just yet. got in from the director we are not doing that yet we'll we'll introduce that later in the season at some point but pickums are back we're going heads ahead and the first series we got ladies and gentlemen is penn state versus long island jacob take it away who you taking I'm going to be honest. I didn't even know Long Island was really like a team. Not going to lie. Um, but I did look it up. Their jerseys are kind of sweet, though. So um, I'm still going Penn State for a sweep. But Long Island's jerseys are kind of cool, though. I wish that I can get their season up. Yeah, they, they didn't do too hot last year. They were 3-10 and 10 as an independent team. So mm. uh, Long Island... The Sharks, I, I hate to say it, but the Nittany Lions, it's going to be Penn State in a sweep. You know what? Long Island, like uh, like Jacob said, beautiful jerseys. Because of that, they steal one game. They get the split. Next game on the slate, Minnesota versus Alaska. Jacob. Minnesota sweep. It's Minnesota. Plus, I didn't really know. Once another school, I didn't even know actually had a hockey team. I didn't even know Alaska had a college to begin with. So um, there they you go. They have in the whole state. Yeah. Well, they have Alaska and Alaska Fairbanks as their teams. Oh, they don't have an Alaska state. So, yeah, like I said, Minnesota in a sweep. It's Minnesota. Yeah, put the O in Minnesota. It's a sweep. Yeah, Minnesota's getting the sweep. And if not, we all get zero points. So what? Anyways, the next series, the headliner, Michigan State taking on USNTDP. This is just one game, so all you got to do is either predict MSU or USNTDP, and it's worth <laughs> one point, Jacob. I got the NTDP. It's just, we, we're talking about it off the bat. Um, I know, was it, I think Cam at some, at some point mentioned how MSU uh, did beat them 2-1 last like two years ago now, uh, but that's not, that's a completely different team. The, one, the team we saw last year and the team that we're going to be getting this season Completely different squad from the one that beat NTDP. I think with the way this team plays, um, especially with all the new guys still having to kind of work on chemistry and all that as well, I really think NTDP is kind of just going to skate circles around them. It, that's kind of it. Not going to lie. Uh, 
Michigan State scores three goals in the third period, wins 4-2 to two over the development team. I think that a strong third period showing, this was a very strong third period team two years ago. They didn't get a lot of chance to show it last year. They were a lot of times fighting against leads. Um, so, I don't know. I think they go down in the second period uh, into the second intermission and, you know, some choice words might be said. And uh, they get they get a move on and they score three straight, including an empty netter. So, I got 4-2 in favor of the Spartans. I'm also picking the Spartans to win this. I think MSU's physical college game will put the US NTDP scoring to the to a little bit of a stop. We'll see how that plays out, but I got MSU in that game. The last one on the slate, we have Minnesota State in a series against UMass. The uh the Minutemen who actually won the uh national championship last year. So Minnesota State versus UMass. Jacob, what's your pick? This is a very good series off the bat. Uh, good way to kick off the seasons. I got to split, though. Two very good programs going up against each other. I'm not going to lie. I haven't done too much research into either team. But um, I still think that both teams are very good. I think one, each team is going to get one on each other. Yeah. UMass riding high after winning their their title. Uh, they're going to win at least one game. And then Dryden McKay, who a f- certain former co-host, loved dear to his heart. He will steal one game for the Mavericks. I've got a split. I have a split as well. Going to keep it short and simple because two good teams against each other. Going to get a split. So, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up our pickums. That wraps up our first episode of Season 10 of Behind the Mask. Good episode. Had some fun. Glad to be back in the studio. But, ladies and gentlemen, I also want to mention one thing. I wanted to mention it at the beginning of the pod. Kyle Hattie is not here anymore. He actually graduated. I... I'd want to say condolences to Hattie. He had this thing on lock. Absolutely loved him being here, and we're going to miss him. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, this was episode one of season 10 Behind the Mask. From Jacob, Cameron, and Ryan, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Thanks for listening. <laughs>